0: Somebody asked me earlier, do you have notes? And as I said to somebody else last week, I have my own notes. I didn't have notes for handing out. But if somebody wants notes of tonight's teaching or last, ni- night, uh, last Sunday's, simply email me at jkramer at cedarview.org. I will send you a PDF of all my notes, and you might be sorry you asked. So anyway, that's an offer. Last Sunday evening... We started a three-part series called The Mission Field Next Door, and the title was The Landscape, and the idea was that we wanted to look at what is going on right here in our own country, in our own communities, in our own church, what are some of the statistics of things that are going on. We laid some of that out. We also uh, looked at the Great Commission and how the Great Commission says, into all the world, which I would say includes right here in this this place, here in Newmarket, here in our community— And we also explored some of the challenges that are facing us. One of the things that seemed really obvious to me is the deep, deep problems we have here in our home community. Uh, The news of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his miraculous resurrection are stories that our families need to hear. In some cases, they need to hear them again and again. Our neighbors, our countrymen, and in many cases, even people in our own church. We also explored that Jesus' first big assignment to his disciples was to go out into their own communities, into the local communities, and share the good news. We recognize the need for people to share the gospel and, and how that includes us. It wasn't just Jesus with his original 12 disciples. In Matthew 9, 37, 38, and we ended with this scripture last week, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If you think back to his 12 original disciples, fishermen, uh, they were probably, you know, there was a tax collector. They were men who worked with their hands. And these people had only been with Jesus a very short period of time. And then he said, I want you to go out. Don't take any money. You don't They didn't have notes. They didn't have their iPhones or iPads or anything like that. They were to go out and to just share the good news. That must have put them terrifically out of their comfort zone. I know it would have put me way out of mine. And they were to heal the sick. They were to minister to people. And I'm sure that they came up with all kinds of excuses. But they went. And why do you think they did that? Because their Lord told them to do it. So they did it because he commanded it. They had all kinds of excuses, and I know that we human beings are filled with excuses, and tonight we're going to look at the land of excuses, six excuses that we as Christians can come up with when we are called to serve. And that's, we could probably do 60, but we're going to do six this evening. Human beings from the very beginning have been full of excuses, haven't we? Think about the Garden of Eden. Eve said, The snake made me do it. And Adam said, It was my wife. And it has ever been thus. We are so quick to come up with excuses. So, the very first excuse I want to look at this evening is I'm too young. The prophet Jeremiah, some of you will recall, thought he was too young as well, didn't he? And he voiced it to the Lord. If we go to Jeremiah 1, 4 to 8, this is Jeremiah writing, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I did not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So Jeremiah, although he was young, we recognize that when God calls someone, and that includes you and me, he promises us that he will be there to deliver us, to help us through it, to guide us. As believers, you and I in the New Covenant, We have the indwelling Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. And this leads us to another excuse that is sometimes related, but you don't have to be young to have this one. I know this from personal experience. And by the way, I've had all of these excuses, so I know them fairly uh, personally. Number two is I don't know enough yet. Even mature Christians sometimes hesitate and say, well, I couldn't do that task that somebody asked me to volunteer for, to help with, because you know, I, I don't know the Bible well enough, or I'm, I'm not gifted in speaking to people, or I'm kind of nervous in front of groups, or I, I just can't do that. I, I don't know enough yet. I need to know more. And sometimes that comes out of our fear that the people we'll be in front of might be hostile or critical, or they won't understand what we're doing. But when Jesus first sent out his 12 disciples to minister to their communities, even though they weren't experienced, he promised them and by association us in Matthew 10:20 that it is not you who speak that's the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray and prepare and read scripture. We should do all of that and to attend services and to question and understand but in the meantime, if, if you and I have to wait until we know everything we need to know about most things, would we ever do anything? Probably not. Get, fa- get used to the fact that you will never know all you need to know. You will never understand adequately in this life here on earth the power and beauty of our Lord and the gift of salvation that he has given to and his awesome grace and mercy and justice as well we have the indwelling holy spirit so there's a bit of a theme here we have the indwelling holy spirit as christians and so when we are in situations rather than letting our egos get in the way i don't know enough why not say holy spirit guide me help me help me know what to say get out of your own way and god's too that's one i need to remember Number three on my list is fear of rejection and lost relationships. This is people-pleasing. And what an idolatrous fear that is. One teacher I heard refers to it as the God of pleasing others. If we are so interested in pleasing other people and making sure we don't hurt anybody's feelings or create some sort of disagreement with them, if we make that our excuse, then we are putting them before God. It's saying things to yourself like, oh, I have to live or work with them, or I don't want to hurt their feelings, and, and uh, you know, I'll see them at family reunions, and how will I deal with them then? And while it is true that we want to maintain good relationships with our unsaved loved ones, colleagues, neighbors, isn't it important that we keep our priorities straight? This would be yes. I think it is. Striving to please others instead of striving to please God is putting our feelings ahead of our responsibilities to serve God. And I love what Jesus said about some excuses he heard. This is from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no one, nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. It's like this person wanted to be polite and do everything properly. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of of God. And as we talked about a little bit last weekend, there's an urgency to this service. There's an urgency that Christ demands of us. The time is now. There is sacrifice involved for us as Christians. We need to focus. We need to act. Not when we're ready. Not when we've pleased everybody. Not when we're old enough. But when the call comes. The great American thinker, um, political uh, columnist and economist Thomas Sowell is a Christian, by the way. He says, when you want to help people, you tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. So do you want to, have, to help people come to a relationship with Jesus? Or are you trying to help yourself by making sure you don't ruffle any feathers and protect yourself It's an important question to answer, and it has eternal consequences. Number four is another one I run into a lot of times, fear of the spotlight. Some people like the spotlight, but most of us, I think, come to it somewhat reluctantly. We'll say things like other people are more capable or attractive or experienced or articulate or knowledgeable. And you might say that I'm more of a behind-the-scenes kind of person. I'll leave the spotlight for those people who thrive there. Have you ever said anything like that or something similar? If you are one of those people, I hope you'd stop it now. Just realize that's not useful. That's not what God wants. And by the way, you're not the first one to feel that way since the beginning of time there have been people who felt that way. Oh, God, I'm not good enough. In Exodus, we read about Moses. He's a prime example of this. He meets God in the burning bush. Remember, he, God gives him, he gives him instructions. You're to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and to go to the promised land. Remember that? And God gives him three miracles. He says, take your staff, throw it on the ground. Moses does it, turns into a serpent. And Moses runs away, and God says, pick it up. And he picks it up, and it turns back into his staff. Then God tells him, reach into your cloak with your hand. And he does, and he pulls his hand out. It's covered in leprosy. And then Moses puts his hand back in, pulls it out, and it's white as snow. It's clean again. And then God tells him to scoop up some water out of the Nile and pour it on the ground. And he does, and it turns to blood. And so God gives him these three miracles that he can do, miracles to show Pharaoh and the leaders of Egypt, the power of the Lord. And yet, even in spite of this, Moses doesn't seem ready to fulfill the assignment God has given him. We're going to look at Exodus 4:10 to 16. Moses said to the Lord, "O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and tongue." Then the Lord said to him, "Who has made man's mouth?" Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But notice that wasn't strong enough for Moses. And he he says, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. God was adamant that Moses was his guy, but Moses wasn't so sure. And maybe you've been like that from time to time too. You feel like, well, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But when God calls us, He is ready to equip us with what we need. So we are, it's not up to you and me to tell God what we can or cannot do. He is able to supply all our needs, and He will help us in the work He wants us to do, even as far as supplying other people to come around us to help to do His will. And this leads to number five. I already give A lot and I volunteer too. I just don't have the time. And that's the one I hear from lots of people. I don't have time. And I hear you. We're all busy. There's probably not a person in this room who isn't pretty busy most of the time. And God bless you for your tithing and offerings. God bless you for the time that you offer as well. But when someone says, I don't have enough time, and this includes me, it's worthwhile sometimes to stop and say, is that really true? What amount of time do you squander? Flipping channels. Scrolling through websites looking for who knows what. Staring off into space, not doing much of anything. Sitting and worrying about tomorrow. I know I have done all of those things and more. Is there anything more important in your life and mine than spreading the gospel? I don't think so. Is there anything you are doing that is wasting time doing things that are perishable rather than focusing on things that are eternal? Many of us are busy raising families or paying bills, earning a living, advocating for our children, our grandchildren. And I recognize these are all vital and important activities. We still need to ask, how can I do better? It's when we think we're already doing the best we can that we have room for major improvement, I think, in all our lives, to just do that examination of ourselves. Ask the Lord, how can I do better? Jesus reminded us of that in Luke nine twenty three to 26, a very familiar chat, uh, passage. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So ask, is there even one more thing that I can do better or add to what I already do that serves Jesus in a new and productive way. Number 6. And some of you're going, "Thanks thanks thank you, Jonathan." And some of this doesn't relate to some of you. I'm too old. I know this one. One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is Caleb. And many of you know this story of Caleb, son of Jephuna, and he was one of the spies Moses sent into the promised land to check it out before the Israelites entered. Caleb and Joshua were both fairly young men at the time, and when they all came back from the promised land, all of this other spies said, oh, you know, it's a beautiful place full of milk and honey, it's great, we could all go there and it would be delightful, but there's these giants there and it's a dangerous place and the cities are all fortified and we'd be slaughtered and we couldn't survive, but not Joshua and Caleb. They said, this is where God wants us to go. We should go there. And when they stood up to the other spies and to the Israelites who were whinging and whining and complaining, they nearly got stoned to death for their courage until God intervened. But it's the rest of the story I want to focus on here. Over 45 years later, Joshua is assigning land to the Israelites. He's now the leader uh, after Moses. And Caleb was speaking to Joshua as Joshua was assigning land. This is Caleb speaking. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. You can just see him, right? 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Enakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. That's pretty brave and courageous for this 85-year-old man. But as a result of standing up and speaking out like that, Hebron became Caleb's inheritance. Notice that Caleb, perhaps with a bit of exaggeration about his fitness and strength, had an incredibly young, can-do attitude, and he wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted to be involved and to faithfully serve. So are you older? Some of us in here are. Ask yourself, what can I do? It's too easy to say, well, I'm retired, I'm older, uh, I'm limited in the things I can do, in my energy, my activity level. But ask, what is it that I can do? I know that there are people in this room who are incredible prayer warriors, that they take that prayer list that comes out on the email every week, and they pray for those people every day. I know that there are many people here who are older, who are volunteering, who are active in various things. If nothing else, do this very vital thing for the life of our church. Pray, pray, and pray more. That's serving in an incredibly important way. I've fairly quickly gone through six excuses, and I could have expanded on each one and added a bunch more, but I hope you've noticed yourself in at least one or two of those, and... Maybe in these common excuses and talking about them, this message tonight will convict you just to ask, well, how can I serve better? What is it that I can do where I live, where I work, in my church? How can I put first things first as Jesus requires we do? Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is a contact sport. Most of us aren't designed to just sit and be scholars and read the Bible and make theological uh, decisions in our mind and and maul them over. Most of it, and and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that per se, but while while this has its place, the Bible's message is a living, breathing, involved, active one. It requires us to serve the Lord in the ways that we are asked to serve, even when it's uncomfortable. And my prayer for all of us, is that we get so filled with joy at the beauty of the gospel that it becomes overwhelming. The Holy Spirit flows through us. I saw a t-shirt just the other day, and it said, I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that if a mosquito bites me, it flies away singing, there is power in the blood. And that really cracked me up when I saw it. So whether you're 15 or 115, God wants you to serve him to help grow his kingdom in your family, your church, and your country. So what is he calling you to do? Will you heed the call? Next Sunday evening, in the conclusion of this series, I'm going to be talking about some of the opportunities and some of the additional challenges that we have in the church, in our families, and in our communities. And I will ask some questions to help Let's all get started on next steps. I pray that you'll join us next week and that you'll bring your curiosity and willingness to follow Jesus where he wants you to be, whether it's right here or somewhere else. And so I invite you to bow with me in prayer.